Shine in my heart, Lord Jesus. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, today your mercy calls us to wash away our sin, no matter how great our trespass. Lead us to know and believe that Jesus is a door whose door is always open, that we sinners might seek peace, comfort, and forgiveness in eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you desire, you may take out this little yellow form. If you want to take sermon notes, that's up to you, the little gem of Scripture. And a saying from Luther that sort of focuses on the message. Good morning. Greetings and peace in the name of Jesus, who is the Messiah of the world. Our lives are sometimes directed by questions we ask ourselves. Do I want to go to Fort Wayne or Toledo shopping? Do I want a mocha or a latte? Is that with 2% or skim? Do I want hazelnuts with that? Do I want to enjoy an import or a domestic? Right? Our lives are determined by the questions that we ask ourselves. I'm going to pay the bill, bills this afternoon. I'm going to pay the bills tonight. Our lives are determined by questions that we ask ourselves on a day-to-day basis. And some questions are a little more significant than others. Where do I want to go to school, go to school at? Do I really want to tie the knot with this person? Am I willing to take the extra step to become an Eagle Scout? Our life is determined by the questions that we ask ourselves and that we're willing to take paths to answer them. And sometimes in life we have to ask ourselves some very difficult questions. Is it time to remove the life support system from our loved one? They've been struggling a long time. Do I really want to be with you after what's going on? And some lie, sometimes questions bear an eternal significance. And so Jesus asked this question of his disciples. Likewise, he asks us the same question here today. Who do you say I am? And Jesus gathered his disciples on top of a mountaintop, and he looked at them and said, Who do you say that I am? And some disciples said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah. And Jesus says, I'm not interested in what other people say. I'm interested right now what you are going to say. Who do you say I am? For there is no more pertinent question in all of our life than who we say Jesus Christ is. And so Peter looked at Jesus with the intention of a pure heart. He looked at him and said, well, Jesus, we know you are the Christ, the Son of God. We know you're the Messiah and the Savior. And Jesus responded to him. What did Jesus say? Blessed are you for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Peter's confession of Jesus Christ, the revealed Messiah, is a confession in which the entire Christian church is built, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Peter was able to open up his mouth because God revealed to him what truth was. He answered that question You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, sometimes things don't come to us so easy, or sometimes answers might seem profound, or really we might not understand where the answers come from. So my family, my parents moved us to a house when we were very little, and it was like a couple blocks away from our city's biggest park. And they moved us there because a simple walk to get to the swimming pool and to ball fields and to the high school. And so I grew up like literally, like for me to go to my high school 
and my park and my swimming pool and ice rink was like closer than us going to the, co- the county courthouse. I mean, it's right there. And so my parents literally moved us there so we'd have access to that. Well, every 4th of July, a couple families about the same age of ours, we grabbed our blankets, we grabbed our chairs, and we went up to the park to watch the 4th of July fireworks. Why drive when we go do that? And so as a little boy, 20 or 30 of us with chairs and blankets, set things up, watch the fireworks, and walk back home, and I have to fight the traffic. And there was a man who was about my father's age, and he was sort of my friend. I asked him, he said, what's going on with these fireworks? He goes, well, it's America's birthday. So how can America have a birthday? They're not like a person like us. He sort of rolled his eyes. Well, why do we have, why do we have a birthday? Well, us as United States, we wanted to be free from Britain. Why? Did they lock us in our rooms? He said, no, they weren't treating us right. You mean like they beat us up after school? And he sort of rolled his eyes like I was a seven-year-old. And so the next year we went to the fireworks and coming back, I had some more questions. What exactly is going on with the 4th of July? He goes, well, we wanted independence. We want to do our own thing, like crossing the street without asking mom and dad. No. Uh, well, we are sort of like imprisoned by them. You mean they put us in a big prison behind chains? And No, 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 no. See, I just didn't get it. And the next year, we went to the 4th of July fireworks and coming back, he goes, you don't even come up to me. Don't, don't even, I don't want to hear it anymore. But don't worry, I finally got it. Lisa explained it to me about five years ago. I got it. Why are you at 4th of July, okay? I got it, all right? But sometimes things like that, they're hard to grasp. Anyone remember 9-11? Remember 9-11? What I want you to remember about 9-11 is just not the tear of the day, but I want you to remember what happened afterwards. Because what still strikes me about 9-11 is the week afterwards that the United States banned all what? Flight. Correct? No aircraft allowed in the skies. Jets, small planes, private jets, nothing in the air. I think you heard about the one guy, he's a crop duster, he didn't know 9-11 took place. He's up crop dusting until an F-16 pulled up to him. He looked at him, he left his seat, and the pilot goes, you get down, Right? That happened on 9-11. True story, okay? F-16 pilot says, you get down. Well, my wife and I, we had neighbors over, and we had a bonfire. And I remember, it's one of those beautiful fall nights. You could see all the stars. But what was it in the air? No jet streams, no, no jets, no planes. It's sort of unique. And so my neighbor said, I know you're studying to become a pastor, and I have questions about this Christian faith stuff. Like, it's really hard for me to believe, like, there's two giraffes and two elephants in the ark. And I know Jesus walking on water and dead men coming back from a grave. It's just really hard for me to take. I know you're studying to become a pastor, so why don't you tell me about this whole Christian thing? I said it rather simple. God made the world perfect and sin entered into the world. And I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. And so Jesus came to the world to die for my sins and your sins and the whole world. And we have eternal life and peace. And he looked at me and he says, is that it? Guess what I told him? Yeah. Is that all there is? Guess what I told him? Yeah. It's really that simple? What's the answer? Yeah. God made the world perfect. There's sin. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for everyone. And that's what? Pretty much it. It can't be. I said, yes. It is. See, for some people, that's really hard to grasp. It's really hard to understand. It's not a lot of philosophy. It's not a whole lot of rules. It's not a whole lot of rituals and traditions. Being a Christian is simple. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. Jesus died for me, Jesus died for you, Jesus died for all of us. Heaven's our home, and we live in his grace. It's really that simple. But sometimes 
that just doesn't seem to be enough. You see, the world, uh-oh, the world sometimes has a different view of salvation than we do, okay? So we have just a little bit of technical difficulty. There we go. The world has a little different view of faith. The world sort of has a bumper sticker mentality, and bumper stickers are popular because they don't have to think much. I hear a saying, I get to buy into it, and it does, it just, it's really easy to understand. But the world looks at faith differently. You ever seen that bumper sticker? I see a couple of them in Defiance County. I saw more of them when I lived in the Peoria area. It's sort of like saying, okay, all you religious people get along. We're sick and tired of you guys fighting. You all get along. Okay, you know, that's all right. There's not a whole lot all those religions have in common. And that's how people think of religion. Religion are the people fighting together about, over God and stuff. Okay. Well, how else does the world look at religion? Well, one of my classmates posted this. There are 3,000 gods and religious expressions in our country, yet yours alone is correct. I get it. You have the correct one out of 3,000. We're, we're going to buy into what you say. I, I, I get that. Okay. One our bumper sticker. God is too big for any one religion. Well, it sounds smart. Sounds good. But that really is a new religion, the person proposing there. God's too big for any one religion, so I don't buy into any of them. Or another one is, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're what? Yeah, just be sincere. That's all that matters. You ever met someone who was sincerely wrong? As long as you're sincere, just have a good heart. That's all that matters. And today... Any God will do. A person was applying for a position, a big bonus, a big promotion, and said, I want everyone to pray for me, and I don't care what God they pray for. It just doesn't matter. And that's sometimes how the world views religion. It's all hodgepodge, it's all shake it up, whatever it is. And so Dr. Martin Luther says this The world despises God's salvation. The world says, I'm going to be saved by my good works. Or everyone's going to be saved no matter what. St. Paul, the great apostle, says this. The wisdom of this age who are coming to nothing. It's just the wisdom of this age. And that's how the world sees religion. It's really nothing. It comes to nothing. But how does Jesus view faith? How does our Lord view faith and religion? What does Jesus say? How does God look at faith? Well, Jesus died freely for who? All. For God so loved the what? World. He gave his only begotten son. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the what? World. Jesus Christ was crucified once and for all. It's a free gift. Jesus died freely for all. It is finished. How does God look at faith? Faith is a gift, and why some believe and don't, it's a mystery. I don't know why. I don't know why two siblings raised in the same home, the same pastor, the same DCE, the same confirmation classes, the same worship services, the same church, the same parents, the same religious experiences, one person believes and the other person what? Doesn't. I don't know why. Not sure why someone has faith and someone else doesn't. I know Jesus Christ died for one, but faith is a gift and it's a mystery why some people believe and other people don't. Isn't that one person's better or smarter or more moral? It is a mystery. And yet at the same time, God wants who to be saved? All. That's why today exists. So people can come to faith. That's how Jesus views faith. 
I died for all freely. I offer the gift to all. For some reason, some reject it and say it's nonsense. To others, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they are saved. God wants all to be saved. Now, St. Paul gave sermons. And so St. Paul went to Athens in Greek, Greece, and he gave a sermon. Now, when St. Paul gives sermons, he looked around the area and he found something. He could usually found something you could hook the sermon on. He gave a sermon on that. So in Athens, there is an altar to an unknown God because the people in Athens sort of had the attitude, well, any God will do. You know, there's sort of 3,000 gods. We don't know which one's correct. And so Paul would go in a community. He'd find a hook to give a sermon, give a sermon. Now, I think if Paul lived today, like today's sermon would be, what are your thoughts on the halftime Super Bowl show, right? No offense. Today's sermon would be, how did you like the president's state of union address and how people are reacting to it? Today's sermon might be, what do you think about that, what's it called, that, that virus going around the world from China, we call it. Yeah, what do you think about it? What about that? So when St. Paul went into Athens, he saw that monument that meant a lot to people, to an unknown God, and St. Paul says, I want to answer that to you. I know who God is. Let me tell you about him. He created the heavens and the earth. He made the world perfect. He rules over it. Sin came into this world, and this God sent his son to redeem the world, and he was crucified, and he was risen, and people saw him risen from the dead, and he is our salvation. He speaks his word. That's it. Maybe talked more for about five minutes than I just did, and he shared that message. He shared that sermon. How'd people respond? Well, some people sneered. <laughs> Religious hocus-pocus. Not for me. Too odd, too strange. Somebody dies on the cross and comes back. I don't buy into it. Some sneered. Some people said, you know, I have to listen more about that. You're going to have to tell me more about that. It sounds interesting, but I'm not ready to buy in. But guess what others did? Some believed and became followers. Why? Because faith's a gift. By the power of the Holy Spirit, some heard that Jesus died for them, heard that Jesus rose for them, and that's me. I believe it. The Holy Spirit has led me to believe it, and I believe and I'm ready to go. This sounds really good. The Holy Spirit opened their hearts to hear the message. See, the bottom line is this. When it comes to Jesus Christ in faith, who died for the sins of the world. Ready? No one can bribe, force, charm, outwit, sell, dupe, swindle, sugarcoat, hoodwink, sweet talk, lure, coerce, rationalize, philosophize, philosophize, debate anyone into the kingdom of God or have faith. Can't happen. Why not? The gospel is preached by the power of the Holy Spirit. A person believes or they reject it. Can't do any of that. Some people say I had religion forced down my throat. I'm really sorry about that. God does not force graced on anybody's throat. I was turned off to religion by this. Really sorry for that, but Jesus still dies for you. I'm really sorry about your religious experiences. I'm really sorry that happened. The fact of the matter is, we were sinners who Jesus Christ died for. Here's the gift of faith. I can't bribe, hoodwink, sugarcoat, lure, or trap anyone to believe. It's a gift by the Holy Spirit. Can you read this for me? This is what St. Paul says. Read it with me. No one. I heard the gospel preached to me. Jesus Christ died for me. By the Holy Spirit, I believe it. That's me. I buy into it. When I die, that's my hope. Now, Martin Luther says this, in a small catechism for those of us familiar. 
Can you read it with me? I Faith can't be something we do ourselves because our old nature would say it's nonsense for someone to die on the cross to forgive my sins. Thank you, I'll work my way to heaven. So the Holy Spirit must convert me. The Holy Spirit must convince me this is truth. He calls me by the gospel, invites me with his gifts, he wants all to be saved. For we who comprehend that, for we who grasp it, for we who realize, believe, whether we're three years old or 103 years old, who believe that this revealed Jesus is our Savior, we're called mature. For those who say, that's me. I believe Jesus died for me. When I die, Jesus died for me. That's why I'm in heaven. My hope is that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. That's what I believe. That's the most important thing in my life, that Jesus is my Savior. St. Paul calls us mature person who says, I don't know how it can happen, but I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I know he, he forgave me everything, and that's my hope. St. Paul calls us mature, whether we're three, year old, three, year old, three years old or 103 years old. I once was talking with a preschooler, and a preschooler came up to me as three years old and said, Pastor, did the bad men put Jesus on the cross? Yes. Pastor, did the bad men put Jesus on the cross so that he might die for Take away our sins. I said, yes. Pastor, did the bad men put Jesus on the cross so we can go to heaven? What's the answer? Yes. Did that three-year-old have faith? Yeah. Was she mature in her faith? Yeah. Power of the Holy Spirit. Even a three-year-old can grasp it. 103-year-old. There's some wise men never can. They push the Holy Spirit away. But for we who say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior, we're mature. We get it. That's something revealed to us. Doesn't make sense to the world, but to us it's our hope and it's our life. Martin Luther says this about mature faith. When I look at myself, I don't see how I can be saved because I myself am a sinner. And I think unclean thoughts and I'm sometimes selfish with my checkbook. I'm not loving to people I'm mad at. And I get mad when I listen to politics. I don't like sometimes how people treat each other. I sometimes don't treat people as nicely as I could. So Martin Luther says this, when I see myself, I don't see how I can be saved because I'm sinful and I live a messed up life and I'm not a perfect person. But then he says this, when I look at Jesus, I don't see how I can be lost. Why? When I look at Jesus, I see grace. Look at Jesus, see someone who says, I love you. I love you. I love you. I look at Jesus, I see someone who says, I've taken your sins away. You're forgiven and redeemed. Trust in me. That's mature faith. I look at myself, how can I be saved? Look at Jesus, how can I not be saved? Look at the cross and say, how can I not be saved? How can I not be saved when I look at the cross? Jesus died for me. That's mature faith. We who are mature are called constantly to mature. That was sort of yesterday's workshop for those seminar who was there. We're called to always mature. How? Not by human wisdom, but by wisdom taught by the Holy Spirit. This past week, on various um, social media sites I'm on. There are all sorts of opinions about the halftime show, and I'm not here to ask you about the Super Bowl halftime show and your opinions. But the Holy Spirit does speak about that. Human wisdom has a way of looking at it, but the Spirit's wisdom has another way of looking at it. We're not taught by human wisdom, but what we hear in the news, we're taught by the Holy Spirit. How? Not from the Spirit of the world, but from the Spirit of who? 
The spirit of this world says, make yourself happy. The Holy Spirit says, well, look out for others. Holy Spirit says, look at my holy will. Look at my grace. How are we mature? No one can accept the teachings of Christ who doesn't have the Spirit. The Spirit opens my heart and mind to see the things of Christ. Allows me to hear the word, to hear the sermon, and comprehend it. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. By By the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. God's gift to us. God's blessing to us. We might mature. So last question I want to ask you. Why does God put you where you are at a certain time with specific people? You ever had that happen to you? Do you think it's coincidence? Do you think it's an accident? That God had you at a certain place in a certain time? Just happened to be coincidental? Happened to be an accident? Or do you think maybe God like, made some things happen and arranged some things and maybe had lights or maybe had the elevator not work? What do you think? Do you think everything in life is accidental or coincidental? Do you think maybe God has a purpose? What do you think? Say it. I think God has a purpose. God puts us in certain places, certain time with certain people. Why? So we have the mind of Christ might bless them. We have the mind of Christ might share hope with them. It's not accidental. God promises that he works how many things for the good? All things for the good. So the question, who do you say I am? Jesus, my Lord and Savior by the Holy Spirit and bless us with that truth. So how about this for a closing thought? Holy Spirit, light divine, shine upon this heart of mine. Chase away the shades of night. Turn the darkness into light. Let me see my Savior's face. Let me all his beauties trace. Show those glorious truths to me which are only known to thee. And all God's people say...